the Broken Arrow, a traditional bow hunting podcast with your host, Schaefer Magnet and Chris Siegel. Brought to you by Black Widow Bows, Safari Tough, Great Northern Quivers, Addictive Archery, and Laurel Mountain Outfitters. Didn't you say that tonight we were just focusing on guns and crossbows? Pretty much. That's and that's where specialty. That's where we'll start the <laughs> Okay. Podcast. Is that your last little uh it, distraction? Okay. Mm-hmm. Hi Newman. Hello. Can we say your last name this time? Sure. Last time it was like CIA esque and we were not sure if we no, could I was mention just your trying to explain my confusing four names and all that other stuff. So. Newman Landa. That's right. All right. I don't know. Newman's good. It's Newman's just a good one. That. It's just yeah. one name. I, I I like the like I liked it better. I think when I didn't know your last name and you were just Newman, like like Madonna or The Rock or Cher, Cher or like not not that they're all women, but like there's like <laughs> one name people out there, and you were one of them. It was like Newman. I knew who you were. I, I do get a kick like when Schaefer asked me for my email tonight, and I sent it to him, and it's just Newman. That, that's it. <laughs> I like how every time Newman and I talk on the phone, my wife instantly goes full Seinfeld in the background, constantly. Newman, hello, Newman, and with me my whole life. Oh, God bless you. You've had that, and I have Schaefer beer theme songs sing sung to me all the time. <laughs> so I get the struggle. There you go. What's Newman? Yeah, how you been? I'm good, man. I don't have a theme song you guys can play on the podcast. Sorry, we'll work on it. <laughs> There's got to be something from Seinfeld. Yep. Um, to, to satisfy Schaefer's father, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Let us know who you are. Yeah. Uh, I'm Newman. I am uh, down here in South Carolina and, um, I don't know. I'm, I kind of nobody, but I love archery and shooting and I do some coaching and, um, pretty much all I, I mean, it, it's not an exaggeration to say that like the last thing that goes through my head at night has something to do with archery. And the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning has something to do with it. So that's fair. Um, one of those that when you go, you go all in. So I, I bet a good, good amount of people that listen to this could say that. Yeah. I would say we're all pretty much, I mean, I think if you're doing the traditional thing, you're, you're pretty much obsessive about it, uh, obsessed or, or, or at least, I don't know. I, I don't think it's clinically insane. Yeah. I don't think it's for somebody that like dabbles, like either yeah. you're in it or you're not. Um, and I think the people that dabble end up not not sticking with it. Or, They're in or, and out fast. Or, or they do it just for fun in the backyard. Like, you know, they hunt consistently with a compound or something or a gun. And then they uh, then they putz with the, the the recurve, which is also cool. Yeah. Yeah. For some guys, you know, it's like a, it's a check in the box if they're trying mm-hmm. to do some hunting accomplishments, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no, no, definitely but, not. It's one hell of an accomplishment. You guys may have been talking about it before, but it's one of those like now that you hunt with anything else even if you're successful it's just not the same absolutely yeah definitely 100 percent. i'll tell you what i i killed my buck with a rifle this year and it was probably one of the most one of the coolest hunts i've ever been on uh it was quick it was over by like 7 15 but it was just like that storied moment where like it's foggy and 
this buck comes out of the fog and it's just the coolest thing. And I mean, I don't really care how I shot it. It was awesome. It was, it was one of the coolest, uh, like I said, it was one of the coolest hunts. Just, I think just the, especially afterwards, like when I was sitting there, I, I, I that was the first time I, uh, I actually just sat down for like 20 minutes or a half hour and just, I had my, I had my little like tumbler of coffee and I just mm-hmm. kind of kicked back against the tree and stared at this buck for probably about a half hour drinking my coffee and like looking around me, around me. Cause it was just so foggy and crazy, but like not to get like on a tangent, but yeah, that was awesome. That was absolutely an awesome, awesome hunt, but n- nothing will top the first deer I killed with the recurve or any other deer I killed with recurve. It's just, it's a different feeling. Yeah. He, I, he I, did. I, however, that morning end up FaceTiming me I did. and he did play peekaboo with Amelia through FaceTime. I did. That's true. I forgot about this year. <laughs> I did. I forgot about that. About, about a half, hour, like I probably sat for about like 20 minutes or a half hour and just was like taken in the moment. And then I was like, I should, I should call Schaefer. So I FaceTimed him and then I got a, 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 a good 15 minutes of peekaboo with, with, with Amelia. That was pretty funny. I forgot about that. Yeah. I had that with the dough I got this year. And um, the last one I got last year was kind of the same thing, which has also made me kind of realize that, at least around here, you're going to have much more success at late afternoon and early evenings, mm-hmm. but nobody goes and sits in the dark next to a dead animal and reflects, you know, so it's kind of nice to hunt in the morning and have like yep. the sun coming up and half decent weather and a little, you know, be a little cold out. So that's how it was. Um, the one I got this year was the first like halfway cold day we had and um, beautiful outside and it, she basically didn't go anywhere. So I, I just had, you know, time to relax. Um, and it was the same thing. You just kind of, like you said, you take it all in. Yeah. If you're not doing that, you should. Yeah. If somebody's out there and they like, they're, you know, I mean, cause I, I'm, I'm one to, to rush to like, you know, the processing and, and get things moving along. And I, I, I did, I didn't, when, when I shot the big one three or four, four or five years ago, whatever it was, I definitely sat down. It was funny. Cause my buddy showed up and he brought me a beer. And we just kind of sat there, just drinking a beer, staring at this freaking deer. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but you need to take in that moment. That that's something that definitely needs to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. That's that is okay. sometimes it's hard to slow yourself down and not go right to the gutting process and dragging that yeah. thing out because it's a pain in the ass. But yeah, but you definitely it's funny you say that. So on the bear hunt this past year, uh after I shot my bear, we got to it, and that part all went really fast. And then there was a moment where my buddy Josh and Jimmy and I had to sit. We were in the complete darkness, you know, in the bear woods, great place to be. As we were waiting for the guide to go get the truck with a four-wheeler and everything to get the mm-hmm. rest out. So we were probably sitting there for like 45 minutes. And we just sat there and talked and exactly like you said, just kind of soaked in the whole week to that point. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire hunt. It was yeah. like 45 minutes. Yeah. You got it. You got it. I mean, unless it's 90 degrees, I'm sure, I'm sure Newman, you get those days being in South Carolina where it's freaking hot and you got to get that deer taken care of quick. Yeah. Well, that's what I think. Like I definitely have an appreciation for it because I mean, it really is. It's well, we had this front come through, but last week it was warm ish, but we, it hasn't really been cold until this last week or so and even cold is still mid 50s you know 60s during the day um and maybe in the 40s at night so yeah you gotta you gotta get going pretty quick um and you don't you don't really want to sit and reflect getting chewed up by sand fleas and mosquitoes either. no no yeah we don't have those we have ticks but no sand fleas yeah we got those too 
So just got the whole package down there. Ticks, chiggers, mosquitoes, sand fleas. Chiggers. My wife got bit up by chiggers one year when we were were in Delaware, and she read about them in the skin straws that they create out of your skin and just (laughs) suck you dry. And she was so creeped out after that. Some things you shouldn't look up. Yeah, if you don't know about about uh, chiggers, don't read about them. No. <laughs> just just let it happen. Just let it go. Just move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. So, Chris, this this idea of this podcast was your baby. So I know. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna let you. Let's see. You're checking out. You told me you were caffeinated and ready. Hey, to rock no, I'm, ca- I'm like, here. Peace I'm, out. I'm, I'm here. Going I just, mute. <laughs> no, no. I just want to make sure we cover. What you wanted to talk about. Well, I, I, I think we want to talk a little bit about the coaching thing we've been doing. Um, but we got you, so we want some hunting stories first. Okay. And you've had a uh, you've had a pretty good season. You've had a, a season that's been pretty damn challenging too. You've had a or at least had a challenging part to it at least. Yeah. Um before we get too far in here, everybody needs to bombard Chris with messages about going on the pig hunt in February. I can't go. <laughs> oh, I got I can't go. I, that's why, dude. I just told you I might not be able to go to Kalamazoo. I don't, I don't know if I can. Not that we're going to Kalamazoo. I don't even know if we're going to Kalamazoo. But I said if the opportunity arises, I'm probably not going. Uh, I'm just tapped be. out, dude. Have you ever? I'm tapped out. I don't think you understand how cheap we can make this hunt for you. <sighs> licenses and tags are next to nothing, and you got to ride. So you know, it's like. Pass on a few of those. All right, we'll talk about this later when we're not sitting here on a podcast. All right. Uh, all in I've, had, I've, I've, I've been under enough pressure tonight with everything else I'm dealing. This is just... hey, I, I when you were texting me about it, I understood. You know. The oh yeah, absolutely. Stuff, it's all it's all good, but we're never going to stop giving you a hard time. Oh, I, I, I appreciate say, that. Do we fully understand? Absolutely. Is it still hilarious for people to bombard you with messages to go? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks in advance for all your messages. I, I canceled a family uh, family function to go on it. By the way, so I I not this one. I have an eleven year old that that you know. Yeah, this one I, was a it was a minor league hockey game an hour away, so it's a little bit different than your trip. But. Oh jeez, dude, come on, gee whiz. Um, yeah, no, I family trip comes first. I I have to I will always do that. Um, Absolutely. so fa- sorry guys, I got to go on the family trip. But if you want to go in like June. Phew, well, actually, June's sawmill, so. <laughs> July's, July's Start tomorrow. drinking water now. We're probably going to go again in July like we did this last year. Oh, it's oh. got to be brutal. Oh, my God. We'll get into that when we talk about hunting stories. All right. Well, you know what? I got four weeks vacation starting next year, so we can work something out. Yeah. yeah. I'll have more vacation than I do money, which is great. Don't you love that? Time is more more important than money anyway, so who needs money? Um. All right. So, so. Can we get into hunting now, Schaefer? Are you done? Yes. Right. I just I wanted to make sure that was out there. Thanks. Okay, moving on. Let's hear your hunting story, your hunting season. How'd it go? Um, it's, First it's off, going, when does your season start? I guess August fifteenth. August and when's it go to? Uh, January first, and that does not include the youth days on either end of that. Um, okay. Dang. And where I am in South Carolina, there's no archery only season. So no is, is anything goes, um, guns, dogs, baiting, all that kind of stuff. How's the, how's the hunting pressure down there? Are there a lot of, are there a lot of hunters in South Carolina? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of one of those, like every year I start the season, I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bait, you know, I'm gonna 
just kind of basically try and do it as simple as I can. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you hear gunshots going off on, you know, a couple hundred yards away. I had one, (laughs) the neighbor shot and I was like, man, that sounded close. And I I called my buddy. I was like, do you know where these guys have a stand? Cause that sounded like 50 yards away. And, um, as I was trying to track the deer later on in the season, it took me over in that direction. And I found where the stand was 48 yards. He was sitting away when the rifle went off. He didn't see wow. others. No, it was thick enough to That's where I thick. couldn't see them. Um, it's like in this kind of marshy mixed, you know, palms and pines and hardwoods area. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty thick. You can't really see more than maybe 30, 40 yards. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's kind of, that's just how it is around here. It's, and it's, um, like I said, a lot of guys, uh, I, I do hunter education classes at our high school and I was talking to one of the kids who's kind of not a newbie to it from coming from a hunting family. And we were talking about some hunting and it's like, all they do is run dogs after deer. And it's, it's a big kind of tradition thing down here, which is fine. Um, I was a member of a hunt club for a while that had like 3000 acres, but I think every weekend during the season was reserved for dog hunting. So it made it kind of tough. Um, it's impressive oh, yeah. you have the deer herd still to sustain it. Yeah, well, we get just with your license. I think we get five tags. I think three buck and two doe, and then I can buy it's something like four or five more doe tags, and I think two or three more buck tags for holy like crap. And they're hunting with dogs. You think like like here where I live in Pennsylvania? As soon as that first rifle shots off, man, it's like they're cracked out. You're 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 working for it, right? don't the yeah. dogs like blow it out yeah and well and luckily like where i hunt nobody's running dogs at least for deer uh some people go through there without permission running dogs for uh rabbits and stuff like that yeah. um but i will say one thing that i've noticed and i saw it again this season is like there's so much human pressure that the deer just kind of like over it um, okay i'm wow. skipping ahead a little bit but i, I actually have a trail cam picture of a deer standing next to my bloody arrow sticking out of the ground as I'm in the woods, like 40 yards away, looking for the deer that I had shot. And it's just like, you know, kind of just hanging out. Like that was, yeah, you, t- you text me. It was like 15 minutes later at the time. Yeah. Stamp, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, they'll blow out just like anything else. And they're super, you know, super spooky when they're in like a hunting situation, you know, like if, mm-hmm. if they know there could be danger around they're, yeah. they're up. Um, but they're also pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're, they're pretty understanding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, so it's like pretty- when you blow something out, you don't have to worry about, Oh, it's going to be two or three weeks before something comes back. Oh. Um, especially if you're not picking, that's the other thing I, you know, a deer is a deer. I, uh, mm-hmm. I don't have target bucks. I don't have any named deer or anything like that. It's, it's a deer is a deer. Naming, um, naming deer sets me over the edge. I know. I, um, I do not like that at all. It drives me crazy. I pass on the one with spots. Um, but you know, if it looks to be at least a couple years old or bigger, then it's fair game. Um, yeah. And that's, I think if I had, you know, if I had access to some bigger properties, uh, or some, some public land a little closer by that I could hunt a lot, I'd probably change a little bit, but I've got two, like five, six acre plots that are 10 minutes from the house. And so it's just wherever the wind is right. I go and get there as often as I can. So yeah i think the only only deer i've ever named was in reference to a a different deer that was named and i called him buttons 27 
because it was a button buck that I had out back of my apartment, and I figured by 2027, he might actually be acceptable to the big hunting crowd. Yeah. So he got the nickname of Buttons27. Nice. Not sure where he's up to these days. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll do like the tall eight and stuff like that, but yeah. it's nothing, nothing fancy. No, it's not. It's not uh, outdoor channel when they're like, "It's easy money again." I'm gonna take them down. It's like, oh, dear God, shut up. Uh, Sorry, whatever, whatever cheesy name they come up with, and it's like, dear Lord, I can't. Yeah, I'm about to. I'm about to find a name for this one doe that she has me pegged every single time she walks in. She's looking right at me. And she just go no further. Peggy. Karen. Oh, Karen. (laughs) Karen's pretty good. (laughs) My, uh, my aunt's got one in her backyard every night. She calls him the stag because he's just, he's, he's the one I shot. He's the one I shot. Um, and, and he's still kicking. And she's like, hey, the stag's in my yard. And I'm like, gosh. Yeah. Karen Karen might get introduced to some gunpowder here before too long. (laughs) Take her out. Yeah. Those are always, those are the hardest, man. Well, they she are, comes in, she's got like a fawn, like a really small fawn. Yeah. <laughs> that was the fawn in that picture that I posted the other day, mounting her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, so it's the two of them and a spike. Right. They come in, they're always together. And the, it's pretty funny. The fawn just comes like bebopping in, you know, like no big deal. And the spike is always next. And then that doe comes in. Cause she's like, okay, you guys haven't gotten shot yet. All right. I guess I'll come in now too. And, um, like I said, I, I think, I don't know. I want to get, um, right now I'm kind of scouting out a different tree mm-hmm. that's going to catch them coming into where I've been hunting. So she's kind of looking where I usually am. So if I, I got, I got what a week and a half to go, um, see if I can make something happen before the end of the year. Beautiful. I'm Crosby and I almost tagged a, a spike about a half hour ago. We were coming down the hill and he, Man, he did. He, I did everything not to hit him. The Tacoma's got good breaks. <laughs> it, it, he he came out of nowhere. I was like, oh my god! Almost did a solid Tacoma brand. Yeah, yeah. He almost got tagged. So um, listen to this. My wife is driving to my daughter's school uh, to this thing that she had tonight, and as she's driving down the road, there's a dead deer on the road, and my wife doesn't hit it. But the car that is passing her go the other direction hits it and sprays my wife's car with everything that had been inside that year. Ugh. <laughs> so she got home and was hosing off her van. <laughs> I we had a we had a my old employer, we had a white service vans, and me and my buddy were driving like an hour and a half to to the a job site to do a refrigeration job. And we were like 10 minutes into our our drive, and it was like 4 30 in the morning. It was really early and dark. And uh the car in front of us, we were in like a two-lane highway, pulled over into the driving lane real quick, and there's a deer in the middle of the road. We ran over it, like right over it. And we just yeah. kept going, right? No, didn't think twice about it. Drove like an hour and 15 minutes more till we got to this grocery store we we're working on. Got out, and the whole side was just blanketed red. <laughs> it was just red, just blood. <laughs> like, oh, God. We, we, we drove an hour and 15 minutes with just blood all over. It was awesome. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I have be the problem, officer. (laughs) (laughs) I have never been so scared to drive on the interstate as I was when I drove to Pennsylvania to hunt with you, Chris. It's tough, man. Just drive down the road and look at all the dead deer on the side of the road. The only thing I could compare it to is a water balloon. Because, like, there was so much blood, Mm -hmm. but the carcass was nowhere to be found. 
Oh, dude, the worst is when you're driving down the highway at like 75 miles an hour and all of a sudden it's just the road turns to red and you're like, oh no, where's the body? Where's the body? Where, you know, <laughs> you're just waiting for it to come. It's, uh, yeah, there's, there's, it, it's, it's insane the amount of dead animals on the side of the road. I'm sure other states are like this, but PA, I think, has one of the highest collision rates. I think PA actually might be the highest deer versus or I'd have to argue Michigan's got to be up there. I yeah, but I, I swear, man, I just read this article somewhere that PA has the highest collision rate. I'm gonna go to uh, decent number of deer getting hit, but man, there's raccoons. It's it's everywhere you look. Dead raccoons all over the all over the road. Yeah, but what's it what's it like when you get up in in like New Hampshire in, in like the White Mountains and stuff when you have collisions with moose? Well, I mean, well that just that just doesn't end well. That yeah, I was gonna say that they're just end, I, they're gonna land in your lap, dude. As somebody that's not particularly fond of the government, I can tell you I know that they lie when I see a deer crossing sign when I go to work every morning. You don't see that deer? I've never seen one of those deer but your before. Tax pay, your tax dollars paid for that sign. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so back to hunting. Um. All right, so... Real quick, West Virginia is the state with the greatest number of deer car accidents. For real? When does Pennsylvania come in? Uh, that was a quick Google. Keep keep uh, talking. I'll I'll see what we can. Top uh, ten. Ooh, here we go. This is some breathtaking stuff. Pennsylvania is number three. Yeah, I knew it was pretty high. Michigan is number eight. This is the breathtaking stuff you get from this podcast. Yeah, you may have just saved somebody's life. Exactly. Don't drive in Montana. They were number two. Interesting. Anywho, and they got some bigger critters out there that that could end up in your lap. So I mean, that could go sideways on you. Anything oh. from a grizzly to a whitetail, you know. Have a good time. I um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell the story, but I won't say any names, so nobody's gonna get in trouble. So a good buddy of mine here, actually, that that has this little piece of property that I hunt on, um, good friend of his growing up, and actually like a friend of a friend of mine, he's deaf. And super nice guy. He's a big hunter too. Um, and they had, and I don't know all the details of the story, but I'll, I'll get to the the good part of it. They had killed a deer, put it in the back of like a, I don't know if it was like a Bronco. It was some kind of SUV. And um, as they're driving down the road, the deer is not dead. They didn't cut <laughs> it. And uh, no, they just, they basically killed it, threw it in the back, heading home. They were going to do everything when they got home. And uh, so if you can just like imagine the audio visual. Uh, What's this uh, movie called? Tommy Boy? Yeah. Uh, I feel like a Bronco uh, is a very appropriate vehicle. For it was this. something like that. <laughs> May have been like a Jeep Cherokee or something too. Um, but a deaf man in the back of an SUV wrestling a deer <laughs> trying to kill it. So <laughs> can you imagine just driving by that vehicle as that's yeah, going if you ever on? Meet this guy, I'll have him tell the story and cause he does the, all the impressions with it as well, which is much better than I can do. But, uh, it was quite a story oh, talking about too good hitting a deer and then bringing it in with you. Oh, um, my gosh. all right. So let's see. Well, every year again, we start August 15th. Um, so I'm always like super motivated to get out there and sweat and just never see anything which is usually what happens i think the earliest i have killed a deer around here was like mid to late september um but you know it's an excuse to go out um so this year it was kind of the same thing i wasn't seeing anything i was actually i was seeing a lot of coyotes um 
we had seen coyotes on camera the last few years. You know, a buddy had killed some like at his house. Um, we'd had some deer that friends had shot and not recovered. And then the coyotes got to him. So we knew they were around, but this year, like sitting in the stand, I had three or four different days where they just like ran right in front of me. Um, and so that was kind of, kind of depressing, not seeing any deer and seeing lots of coyotes. Um, and still now before the season's over, if I get a deer or a coyote, I'm happy. Um, but yeah, so it was just not any activity I had put after not seeing anything, I put some corn out and that corn sat there for two, over two weeks with nothing coming to it. Wow. And then I started getting really worried because like, that's something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know? Right. Um, and then for whatever reason, I think it was probably, I don't know, like late September or so, like, you know, deer started showing up on camera. And, and so I was like, okay, well, you know, just keep on working. And then we had one cold front come through. I don't remember what date it was. Um, beginning of November, maybe something like that. And, um, I got an, the, the other place that I hunt, the land was good. Um, I had taken off of work the next day and I was like, all right, cause it was the first day that it was going to be in the forties, uh, in the morning. And I said, well, I'm going to go s- sit in a tree. And so I got out there and, um, I mean, like right as it was light enough to see there were two does just hanging out milling around probably 30 or 40 yards away. So I watched them for a while and which I don't know about you guys, but like seeing something right at the beginning and then just having them walk off as far as like, when we talk about mental control of the shot that is huge for me because I get it all out of my system. Gotcha. Yep. That um, makes sense. You know, just like seeing something and and getting that little bit of excitement and then getting rid of it before you actually have to worry about taking a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they walked around for a while and they left and then um, a random hen Turkey walked through. Um, and then it was a little while later, a couple other, um, it was actually, it was, it was a group of like four or five, I think they were all does. A couple of them were pretty young, so they may have been button bucks or something came through. And um, I had a little spot lined up that would have been like a 10-yard shot, just easy, perfect, right in front of me. And, of course, they like they zigged when I needed them to zag. And so they stayed along the tree line. And I was still within 15 yards of them. I just didn't have a good shot. And then um, as I think three out of the four or five of them walked into the woods where I knew I wasn't going to be able to see them again, um, I watched one of the bigger does following them and kind of leaned around the tree and got, got a decent angle and she stopped and she looked, I don't know if she looked at me or just in my direction. And, uh, and I took the shot and I just watched the arrow just go perfectly right, right through, I guess it was like right behind the shoulder. And, um, and yeah, she ran 40 yards and piled up. So that Beautiful. was, that was a good feeling. That was, Heck yeah. Uh, unfortunately that was your, your bad hunt, Chris. That was the November same day, 3rd. wasn't it? November third. Yep. And that's when I called you. We were talking about yep. all that stuff. Yep. It was yeah, November third. There you go. So yep. Um, and actually, I was like I said, that went like kind of picture perfect. Like we were talking about, you know, just sitting down, hanging out. It was cold. I didn't have to worry about the meat. The bugs weren't out. Um, so that was that was a good good day. Um, that was a bad day for me and a friend of ours. Wasn't? Yeah, I was on the phone yep. with another buddy who lost one that day too. I won't throw them under the bus in the podcast. Yeah. No, this, uh, it sucked. Yeah. This one went well. I, uh, <laughs> hey, you got to take those, man. Those are great. Those are the Absolutely. best, especially when yeah. you see them go down, man. That is, I, I, so I, I get, I guess I can't complain too much because the last three deer I shot, I watched, well, 
prior to the, I mean, this year I watched him go down, but that was with a rifle. That didn't count. Yeah. The three, the last three I killed with the, the recurve, I watched them all go down within 40 yards. I watched them all tip over. Yeah. So this one, I didn't see her go down, but I, I thought I heard something. It didn't sound like a crash, but mm-hmm. I saw the direction she went and it was, um, almost identical. It was the same tree I was sitting in for the one I got last December. And she went the same direction as the one that I had got last December. And, um, and so I kind of knew, okay, you know, when they're feeling hurt in danger, they want to go this way, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so I went and found the arrow and there wasn't any blood around. Um, but I also had a pretty good feeling. I waited, I think 45 minutes, um, that she hadn't gone far. And so I was like, well, before I go tracking blood, let me kind of loop around this other way and see if I can just see, maybe see if she fell over. And I, I took another 10 yards through the woods and I saw her belly right there. So it, yeah. was, it was pretty easy. And even after that, I went back and kind of half-heartedly checked for blood and there really wasn't much of a blood trail. I bet if I really needed to look for it, I probably could have found some, but I, uh, I wasn't too concerned about it. Obviously that was with a, um, VPA three blade. So, yep. um, and there was Smaller lots of blood. big one. Um, 175 grain. So whatever. I don't in, know what the diameter is. On inch that. and an eighth. Those look like it right there that Chris has. Yeah, I think gotcha. that's right. These are 160s though. These are 160s. Yeah, mine are the, yeah, mine are the screw in, but I think it's the same size. Because you cheater yeah. to use those girly arrows that Schaefer uses. Um, <laughs> Wilders. What? I said Wilders. I didn't say anything. My sense is, hey, hey, Schaefer, those arrows, those are compound arrows. <laughs> He's 11. He barely even shoots archery. Well, my arrow itself says traditional only. So that like, that's a loophole, right? Well, it's coming from Randy. right. So, <laughs> so I guess we'll let but it slide. I, I'll say, I, and actually I never even, I mean, like I noticed shooting those at targets, like, Hey, it's cool having the white shaft and they are really easy to see. But, um, I had actually, I even had black trad veins on that, but I could see just the God, white. You're you know, s- sinning over there. No. Carbon had, arrows, trad veins, geez. But that white knock and the white shaft, I mean, it just, it was, you know, wasn't like a lighted knock, but it was super easy to see. Uh, That's see cool. It went. Yeah. Are you, uh, while we're on that topic of sinning, are you using uh, trad veins a, a lot during hunting season or just not like on crap days? I usually have some in the quiver. Um, I've got a few arrows that I've set up where, I fletched like almost all of them with trad veins and mm. uh, especially on like ILF rigs and stuff like that. Um, I haven't really had any issues with the trad veins shooting off the shelf on anything. Um, that, that was my next question. Yeah, no, they've all been fine. I will say like, I'm cause I'm using some of the vein tech HP veins too, that Randy uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and like off the shelf on my black widows, though, fly, those fly fine. But what are they? I, they are vein tech HP. They're like the softest vein, the vein tech maze. So they're still stiffer than a, a trad vein. Okay. Um, and I know Randy, I think Randy shoots them off of like a springy uh, or Correct. a, a yep. weather yeah, I think or something. Spring, yeah. um, Do you have to orient them a certain way to make them fly good? Yeah, I did mine instead of like the cock vein straight out. I did it a little bit more vertical. So it puts that hand vein the, right in like crease. Like the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so it shoots the gap between the, the two plates. But I it, found- it's, it's kind of 50 50 off the shelf with those. It, they do like my ASLs. Nope. They don't work. Yeah. That uh, checks. I tried and tried and they are not flying off an ASL. Um, but like I said, for the, the, I guess mostly black widows that I've tried it off of, they shoot pretty good. I, uh, 
I found the Plasti Fletch almost flew better than a Trad Vane, which I thought was funny because was that an AAE? Uh, I think so. Because they're I mean, far. They're, it's like ten bucks for a hundred of them too. But my buddy's Vantex. Yeah, my my <laughs> buddy on, gave Google me this. some, thinking they were uh, Trad Vanes, and they flew good. And then I bought some Trad Vanes, and I did not have the same success with the Trad Vanes. They they are AAE Plasti Fletch. The Plasti Fletch are slightly uh, larger profile. So I was gonna I don't say they, they look like a able... small profile. Well, in comparison to a Trad Vane, they're larger. Like yeah. just in general, and they actually have a base to glue to the arrow. Which is the nice. only thing I don't like about the trad veins is if you train with them, shoot targets with them. If if they get hit by anything, they're gonna they bend and fold, and I put holes in them. I've got several of them that I just will get some like little snips and cut out all the little ruined parts of it. So I usually I'll, I'll fletch some up and kind of keep them in the quiver, make sure they shoot the same, and then pretty much always shoot with feathers. Well, with yeah. inflation, Schaefer, you brings you to thirteen dollars a hundred pack. Wow, that's brutal. At the, at the at the Lancaster, I was uh, I was looking into them because of the outrageous price of feathers lately. That was yeah. pretty much yeah. What feathers was... have, are out of hand. Feathers are they've gotten ridiculous. Price is ridiculous, and the quality is uh, lacking. Two inch true flights, keep them cheap. How mu- How long are they? Uh, two inch. Yeah, four inch bear paws. <laughs> are you liking the bear paws? I find the quill quality is nowhere near a uh, true flight. However, they are manageable if you're not too picky. Like I probably out of a pack of 50, I probably get 40 that I'm willing to use because I'm really picky about my quills. You can't see it. But the actual feather itself seems a lot more rugged than true flights are these days. So the 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 fifty pack gateways are twenty four dollars for fifty now. I think I I paid like thirty eight dollars for a hundred. Do you guys ever forty a hundred? Do you guys ever shoot bag targets? No. I uh, I have one, and I will every once in a while when I'm going out. Do you notice it like murders your veins or your your feathers? Yeah. um, At least on mine, I don't get. I don't get it up to the fletchings. Um, no, 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 no. I mean, just by impact. So I'll show you what oh, I'm no, about. no. I haven't seen that. See, so that's what I have found with True Flight. Like, if I go stump shooting, it's like one round of stump shooting. The feathers no longer, like, stay at heat, uh, like, stick to each other, however you want to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just get real ratty after, like, so one session. These mm. These have not missed the target. That's just hitting a bag target over and over and over and over again. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's missing quills. You can see the quills are missing in there. Um, And I don't know if it's what, but I mean, like, it's not just gateways. I get that with true flights, too. And I don't know if it's the towels and stuff they then the like the strips of crap they put in there. It's probably more of an abrupt stop, but I don't get that from my phone targets. Yeah, I get that from my my bag target, and and right now because I'm shooting when I'm working with you, I'm I'm shooting five or six yards, and I'm shooting my bag target. Yeah, and I'm just destroying veins, and I'm just curious if anybody else sees that. Well, I'll have to mess around with it now and see if I notice anything. I'm curious, yeah, and I wonder if it's different with Woody's as it is with 
yeah the the because the woody is a superior arrow it could be you know right it stops a lot faster yeah something something some some form of superiority superiority that it has over carbon put like a big fat blunt on the end of them and then shoot them into a bag target to see if that what that affects the feathers make that abrupt stop Mm -hmm. because i feel like with my carbons they you know because they penetrate pretty decent it's a little bit of a slower stop i wonder if that has something to do with it you ever shot a broadhead through a bag target obviously not advised i have a bag target with a broadhead in it right now (laughs) yeah uh, that's usually what ruins bag targets the only reason i ask is one of the coolest uh incidents i've ever had is if you shoot a dull broadhead into a bag target you're in the exact situation you're in right where it's just like buried and you're you're just in a crappy situation However, one time I had just sharpened a broadhead and I missed and that sucker went through that bag target so beautifully. <laughs> it was, it was like, it was worth the miss just nice. to see what a sharp broadhead can do in comparison to a dull one. Yeah. Like that in itself could be a penetration test. <laughs> oh, um, I, I think I dropped the ball here, but whatever. We'll move on. Um, I, w- I wanted to put a... I wonder if it's too late to try and do like a little question thing. Ask eh. Newman? Yeah, let's do it. Screw it. Yeah. We'll throw it out there and see what... Because I wanted to do like coaching questions. Because I, I, I think... Uh, I think it would be interesting. No pressure. But I don't know what this... I'm not really good at this Schaefer. Well, while you're figuring that out. Um, yeah, you guys do something. So at this other place that I've just seen coyotes at, um, I'm kind of dead set on trying to get a deer out of there just because like this is where that doe has me pegged. And I had the first evening of the year where it was just like deer came out of the woodwork right at last light. And um a doe came in spooked and kind of ran into the woods and came back in and then a few others walked in and then a little like four point buck walked in and kind of looked at him and I was like, Hey, you know, all right, I'll leave that one. Maybe my son can shoot that one later, but it was kind of like, take your pick. Um, and so this one doe who had been a little tuned up, she came in and started just kind of feeding and hanging out and everybody else was pretty relaxed. And so I decided to shoot her and, um, as I look back on it now, I realized that I probably could have been in a little bit better alignment um, and, and gotten a little bit better of a shot off. But I shot at f- when I saw the arrow hit, my first reaction is, oof, that's too far back. Never um, good when that happens. No, never. And, and I said it wasn't it wasn't just like pure guts, but it, it was not where I wanted it, you know. Yeah. Um, and. Was it walking left to right or right to left? So she was walking from left to right um, and slightly, let's see, almost perfectly broadside. Okay. But she, she ducked and turned. And when she ducked and turned, she ducked and turned away from me. So if I can like pretend in my head, I like to tell myself that as she's turning, basically she turned that broadside into a quartering away. So right. like, it, was, yep. it was actually a good thing uh, that she ducked and turned away from me like that. Um, depending on when she did it. Um, I did, I had my little GoPro camera going, so I got to go back and look at it. And, uh, that's where I was kind of like, I was on the fence. I was like, well, you know, yeah, it wasn't a perfect shot, but it wasn't necessarily that bad, you know? 
So I waited half hour, 45 minutes. Oh, and so she ran off. Three of the other deer just kind of stood there looking around and went back to just hanging out. And I finally, I, I think I yelled at him or something to get him out of there. And then I got down um, and I went and found the arrow. And covered in blood, um, no gut smell to it. And it was like good blood. And so I was like, oh, I, this might be okay. You know, it turned out pretty good shooting a, a Zwicky. Nice. Um, and so digging the shirt, by the way. Oh yeah. That's from my, uh, 1988 Nakatomi corporation Christmas party. Oh, nice. Um, so I was like, well, I knew my son would probably want to come out and help me track it. I was like, well, let me see if I can at least get an idea of the direction that she went. So there was a, just like a tiny bit of blood right where she had been standing. I went off into the woods, um, maybe five yards, and I found another little tiny drop of blood. And then I found one more a few feet after that. But it was like, it was sparse. Um, compared to what the arrow looked like, like the blood trail should have looked a lot better. And so I, I kind of looked, I stayed really close by to where I had shot her looking around. And um, and then I was, I called my son. He was like, yeah, I want to come help you out. So I, I left, went home. I was like, all right, by the time I go pick him up, come back, it'll be another 45 minutes or so. And then we'll come back and we'll pick up the blood trail. I had marked it. Um, that's when I got those pictures of those deer that had come back in and we're all hanging out about around where I'd stuck my arrow in the ground. And, um, so went and picked him up, came back and we were looking and like that last drop of blood that I found before I found him, that was the only thing we saw. I uh, never found her. So I, looking back on it now, that first time I had gone in the woods, I heard something in the woods. It didn't sound like I had jumped a deer, but now yep. looking back on it, I basically say like that, that has to have been what it was. You know, gotcha. I bet she bedded down and where that was, she would have bedded down within 30 or 40 yards. And I probably jumped her. And, um, I, it was especially like, like I said, looking at the arrow, I, I know it was lethal. Um, with trail cam pictures and all the deer coming in since, and it's been what a month now, month, six weeks, something like that. Yeah. Never seen her again. So unfortunately I probably fed the coyotes and I think she jumped over on a couple of properties over. Um, so that, that stunk. Um, obviously nobody ever likes that, but you know, kind of lesson learned, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, so now I know you guys say it all the time and I think we all say it, but, when in doubt back out. Right. But yep. now like I'm not screwing around. <laughs> no, like, no, really don't even go a little bit in the woods. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think she, she may have been bedded down within like 30 or 40 yards. Um, when, when I think I probably had jumped her. So that stunk. Um, and yeah, I've been trying, trying to get after him again. Those are the only two shots I've taken all season on deer. At least, um, I got a couple of nice raccoons with the, with you the did. Winter. Yep. So you guys saw the video, the one that yes. punched in the face. Um, that had to hurt. I was blown away by that. And, but that's the second time that's happened. I had my son and I were out and we had uh, before Turkey season and put some traps out to try and kind of thin out the population before Turkey season, before they lay their eggs. And we had one that was in a trap and I had my, we were stump shooting too. And uh, as we went and checked traps and I was like, well, I'm just going to just finish it off with, with the bow. And it was almost the exact same thing. I shot it with a blunt and it kind of like, looked at me and shook it off 
And I was like, what the hell, man? And then I was like, oh, okay. I can't use a blunt for this. Wow. So they're, Crazy. they're tough little critters. So you're still Absolutely. rolling. You're, you're going to, you're going to push it till when, when's it? January, what? January, January 1st. 1st. So you got a couple more days here, man. Holy crap. We're yeah. coming up. Season's but almost the over. Is, hog season never ends. It doesn't. You, got, you do have that going for you. February's is. coming quick too. It is, man. We haven't talked about um, my March hunt last year, did we? When I got my hog? I no. don't believe so. No, because I think you were on earlier in that, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I think I was on in January. That was. Uh, well, I told Schaefer this. That that's what has me chasing the dragon now. Is uh, we went I, on a PBS hunt in March. Yeah, um, in, north of me in South Carolina, and it was. I mean, it was awesome. It was. Uh, I, I wrote. There's an article about it in the PBS magazine from uh, I think two issues ago, two or three issues ago, and they published that. My little. You story wrote about, it. Yeah. Yeah. January 16th was your launch day. There you go. But yeah, we had, um, we were a month too early. Two guys. Two months I, early. Sorry. Yeah, almost, almost a year anniversary. Um, but yeah, two guys that I had met and, um, they kind of, you know, I felt like, I felt like I was a little kid again. Cause I know at that point I'd never been hog hunting. And these guys had done a lot, um, and they were they're pretty good killers, and they knew they knew their stuff. One of them was Mark, which I know, Schaefer, at least you've talked to him. Yep. Um, and so they kind of took me under their wing, and I, <laughs> especially when we started, like I felt like probably what my son must have felt like a few years ago, like following me around. It's like, all right, Dad, you know where are we going now? And uh, <laughs> just walking through the woods, following these guys, and of course, like everything I see, I'm like. Oh, hog? No, that no, that's not a hog. Oh, is that one? No, that's not one. You know, you see like little tufts of grass and stumps and all sorts of other stuff. And finally, Mark was like, "Look, if it's standing still, it's not a hog. Don't worry about it. Keep moving." I was like, "All right, cool. I can do that." Um, so they, yeah, they, I mean, we got out of the truck in this one spot. And that was the other thing. I felt bad. I was like, you know, hey, if you guys have a spot you're going to, I'll I'll figure it out. Right? I can't remember how big this this WMA was, but tens of thousands of acres, but I was like, well, I'll just go wander around in the woods somewhere and just see what happens. Um, but they're like, no, nah, come with us. You know, we're, we're going to get you a, get you a pig. And, um, we got out of the truck. We were walking to a few different, like this one kind of area where they had seen them before. And at this point we were going through pretty swampy stuff and we were in like thigh deep water. Um, and like, it was cold out, but it wasn't too cold. So, you know, just kind of moving along and we're walking through this one spot and I look up and I'll never forget it. Imagine like two black 55 gallon drums that are like on their side. Yeah. I look up and I see, so, well, before I looked up, I heard something. It wasn't like a squeal. It was some kind of whatever. It was a pig making noise. And I look up and I see these two 50, 55 gallon drums. And I remember thinking, you know, lot, lots of various language in my head. Um, and then I would see it and I was like, well, wait, are those hogs? I'm like, yes, those are hogs. And then I saw the size of them. And I've got my my Black Widow PL in my hand, and I'm like, I don't know if this is enough <laughs> for these things because <laughs> they were massive, like they just looked huge in my in, head. in that moment. Yeah, and and you know, and I asked the guys too because luckily at least I think one or both of them had seen them too, and I was like, hey, like those were big, right? Those were like really big. They're like, yeah, those were big hogs. Like, Did okay. you feel like you needed a bigger boat? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Um, but you know, and all this is happening, it probably all like all this took place in five seconds or whatever. But like I see the hogs, huge ones, they run off. And when they run off, 
a bunch of little piglets kind of scattered and then a few other smaller ones, you know, like whatever, 70 to 120 pounds, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I see, I think it was two of them moving like from right to left. There's a bunch of trees. Again, it's all kind of swampy area. This particular place was a little bit more open. So you could probably see 30 ish yards through the trees. And the first one, like I said, probably a hundred pound ish ran from right to left and it ran through, there was like this little window um, in these two small little oaks. And I saw the one behind it. And I said, and, and again, in my head, I'm like, all right, if she runs in, as soon as she's in that window, I'm shooting. And she, she started to move. They didn't, they knew something was up, but they weren't just sprinting. You know, um, the two big smart ones had were long gone, but she, she walks up and takes a few steps and she's kind of quartering too. And she just looks right at me and I let go. And, um, I, I never even measured it. I think it was like 23 ish yards somewhere around there, but it was the same thing I saw. Well, it's hanging up there, but my, um, that Doug fur with the white and red fletchings on it. And it was just like, just pinwheel, just perfect right into her shoulder. Nice. And, um, and again, it was like, Holy crap. I did it. I hit her. <laughs> you perfect. Know? And, uh, and, uh, and then, so she ran off and I wasn't expecting, but like I walked up and like the, the two guys that were with me, this was also kind of the cool thing. And this is what kind of me realize what hog hunting was about. So like I shoot her, Mark's like, you got her. And, uh, or no, I turn around and I shake my fist and I'm like, Hey, I got her. And, and he's basically saying like, yeah, I know dumbass. Now get up there because <laughs> you might need to put another arrow in her. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like no time to celebrate. Um, and so like, I haven't they, talked they, to Mark a ton, but that sounded exactly how I pictured it oh, already. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love it. And, like, and he, he even apologized. Hey man, I wasn't trying to be a jerk or anything. I was like, no, like that was perfect. That's exactly what I needed. I need somebody just to like slap me, splash the water in my face. Cause I was, I was still like in shock that all of it had happened. We had been out of the truck for an hour, less than an hour. And, um, and so they ran up cause they were going to go try and run down some of the other pigs and get another shot. And mine ran 20 yards and tipped over and was basically dead. Um, we, we watched like last breath kind of thing. And, um, and they went off taken after the other pigs. We got a few pictures and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. And then we, you know, got her gutted, carried her back in a pillowcase back to the truck. And like, that was it. And like I said, it all happened in like an hour or so, but it was just so, it was like so intense and exciting. And, you know, you're, you're going out, you're, you're finding them, you know, you're stalking them. I don't know. It was, it was awesome. Uh, are you ruined for life now? Oh yeah. 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 That's all I think about when I'm sitting in a tree stand now is man, I wish I was out trying to chase hogs. Schaefer, you're in trouble. (laughs) Well, I'm like legitimately scared. Well, and so I'm going to enjoy it that much. That was another, that was a long weekend. So that was on the first morning that afternoon. I went off on my own. I think they all kind of run together now, but I I had hunted on my own a little bit around that area. And then I'd hunted with them a couple other times and I had, three other instances where I almost had a shot. Um, I had one where it was two nice big red sows. Basically. I mean, I saw them from about 50 or 60 yards away through a bunch of pines and they walked right to me. Um, and the only shot I had was one of them was at like 10 yards facing me. And I started doing the math in my head of if my Zwicky would bounce off of her forehead or if I would get enough penetration, (laughs) But I was a full draw thinking this. And then 
I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And she ran off like right at that same moment. And then, uh, the last day that I was hunting there, um, I'm walking through again, kind of same general area and I hear something and there were, it was like 10 or a dozen little piglets. And we're talking like the size of my shoe and I hear them kind of squeaking and moving through the woods and they're on like a little parade going to my left. And I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. Um, me and some other guys talk about it, like as, bi- as big and bad as we are and talk about killing hogs and everything. It's like, you see a piglet and you're like, Oh, that's, that's cute. It's <laughs> just like, I watch them go and then I see them all stop. And then I watch them turn around and go back the other direction. And it hits me. I'm like, Oh, they're looking for mom. They don't know where she is. And so they filed off to my right and I like, got right in line and I started following them and it took me right to these two big sows. And we played a little chess match for probably 45 minutes of me trying to get in front of them and get around and get close enough. And I just, I never could, but it was, uh, it was awesome. They'll never suspect me. Hog hunting. I'm I'm pretty sure this is not the end of the hog hunting. We're going to hear about in on this podcast in the coming months. No, let's, uh, let's shift gears. Let's talk coaching. We do have two questions. We do. So we'll get to those. We're going to see if we more file in. Uh, Like Um, our podcast, neither question so far is super uh, beneficial for people. One one holds no substance and one is all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I should go troll it and submit some questions. There you go. Go for it. Um, (laughs) What can I I answer easily? (laughs) All right. Uh, I guess we should talk about how we got here. Mm-hmm. I had some, I had some issues in the woods this year, and I also have had. And I know I'm not the only one that's, that's going to. When I say this, people are going to understand it. But I'm the guy that has probably forgotten his shot like monthly, eight times in the last two years. Like where I go, I I am shooting lights out for months. And then I just go out one day and I can't shoot and, and I don't know how to get it back. And I don't know what I did, to, how to lose it. And then I sit out in my yard for an hour trying to figure it out, thinking I could shoot through it and making the next, it worse. The next thing I know, I'm so sideways. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, and this year I had, I had two hits on two different bucks. One of them was a good shot. He just ducked. And I know there was nothing I could have done about that, but the second one was 100% my fault. And I had a bad hit and I know I could have done better. And so I decided that it's time to get my head out of my ass and seek some help. So I think, I think you and I had talked about stuff prior to this happening, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of guys who were like, Hey, at some point I'd love to get some help and yeah. You know, Nine times out of 10, I don't hear from them, but yeah, it's, it usually takes, you know, it's, it's hitting rock bottom, right? It usually takes. Well, I did. I, yeah, absolutely. You know, and because I was the exact same way I, um, I had, you know, gotten back into the compound and then all of a sudden it was like, I killed four deer without really even trying. And I was like, okay, this is cool, but let me, let me find more of a challenge. And then I, had messed around with a recurve. I think we talked about this last time too. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to figure this out. And I picked it up and God, I was awful. So I need to send you some of the videos that I took from like the first year that I was trying to figure out how to shoot a recurve. It's just, it's hideous. It's, it's horrible. 
It, and so it, that's when I was like, I need help. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, no, it's, it's recognizing it. And, and, you know, I never like, well, I would have picked on some coaching things, but, um, I just didn't think it was, I was like, that I, I don't need it. I'm fine. I'm good. I got this. And, and then I realized, and I mean, like just today with yesterday, was a, it was a month yesterday, and I happened to notice that yesterday when I looked back at the first video I sent you, which was November 17th, and I was like, oh, wow, it was a month ago, and I watched the video, and my arm doesn't get behind me, you know, like my elbow doesn't get behind me. I'm, I'm not in alignment by any means, and I'm looking at the video, and it's cringe. I'm cringing. I'm like, holy crap, that's terrible, and... And then I looked at the video I'd sent you on the 16th, which was at the time, it was the day before. And I was like, wow, that looks, and it's not even there yet. I'm still not there yet. I know I'm not where I want to be, but I was like, dang, that looks so much better. And it clearly have more control. I mean, I wasn't a snap shooter, but I couldn't hold. I couldn't end, uh, or I could hold. But by the time it came time to release, I was like letting that string go and, and wherever it went, it went. And uh, I, I decided, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, like the first video you sent me and I haven't like with the little virtual coaching thing I do, I've done a handful with, with guys and it's been good. But most of the like numbers I get is when I'm volunteering at this camp doing mm-hmm. either kids or, you know, father, son and stuff like that. <laughs> when I get videos like yours, I'm like, oh, thank God, this one's going to be easy because <laughs> like you already had so much of a foundation where, you know, physically you had pretty much all the right things, you know what I mean? So we didn't really have to focus on any of that, you know? And so I could kind of see right away that it was, you know, like you said, the control part and that's, which can be super, super challenging, but um, that's all I had to worry about when I was trying to figure out how I could help you instead of all these other little things, you know, that could just Mm -hmm. compound those issues. I don't know if you guys can relate. I find when it comes to most things like that, it's all about phrasing it just right. Like each person needs to hear something. I just 100% a, agree. The best I can think of is I was going to physical therapy for a little bit for my back. And my physical therapist was trying to get me to activate. I can't even remember what the muscles were. Back of your legs. But like a particular muscle group. And she kept having to tell me, okay, try to squat, but focus on this. Try to squat and focus on this. And it took like three or four different like things to focus on before. Like I felt exactly, you know, that muscle flare. Yeah. It, well, it is. I mean, that's the challenge of coaching with any kind of coaching is, um, you know, you're, you're not just telling somebody how to do something. You gotta, you gotta meet them kind of where they are and get them to understand. And I think that's where, you know, I'm, I am not a guru. Like I'm not Tom Clum. I'm not Joel. I'm not any of these guys out there that have just gone so many more layers deep than I've even had the opportunity to because I'm I'm young doing this. Um, But I think what I've found I've been pretty successful at, and this was, you know, like I'm, I'm an educator, I'm a teacher. Right. And right now I'm, I'm literally an instructional coach. I coach teachers. And I think what's helped me do that is, um, I feel like I have a knack for doing that, for like finding the thing that'll kind of get through yep. uh, and help people understand stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, even if I can't maybe explain the why as in as much detail as some of these other guys do, but that's why 
Um, like Tom and I were just talking the other day, you know, I, I reach out to them all the time, uh, just try and get a little bit better understanding and then hopefully help other people out. Cause again, it was all like, I know the feeling, like I know exactly what you were going through, Chris. Yeah. And I go through it regularly, you know, and I have to coach myself all the time because this isn't easy and it's not supposed to be easy, you know, and that's okay. I think that's a big part of I, understanding like this is hard and that's okay. Yeah. That's why we do it. It's hard. Right. We like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just reached a point where I was like, Ugh, I can't, I I'm, this is ugly. I got to do something. And so I guess I reached out to you, sent you some videos, which we were talking about. Um, and you kind of, you immediately gave me something to work on, but I think the big thing for me was like, you hear guys who are coaching use terminology like um, transfer to hold or, or, and, and, and I, you said, and I was like, what the hell does that mean? That tells me, and I, I think that's that's what that's what kind of at times turns me off. But you were like, "Well, that means this," and you explain getting, you know, get like you you go from drawing to getting into alignment and 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 to a holding position. And 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 when I every time I heard that, I and I said this to you, I was always thinking that meant like, okay, so you're drawing with one set of muscles and you're transferring over to another set or something. I don't know, and I could never get past that. Um, but I, I think you were able, like Schaefer said, you were able to word it so my idiot brain could understand it and, 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 uh, comprehend it and, and apply it. Yeah. And I think well, that's and the I, huge I'll say, part. I have some, I don't know if I'd say issues, but there's definitely some terminology in the NTS system mm -hmm. that like is not great. Um, Land too. I mean, honestly, like. Ugh. The word hold, holding, that's a static word. You never really want to be static. You're always increasing tension. So like, right. there's always little stuff like that, um, that, you know, okay, it, maybe it's not by the book, but sometimes it will help people understand. But the thing that you did, and this is why like, I love doing this because I get a lot out of it, is you just sent me a message one day and you were like, hey, like, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> and I looked at it and, and like, not lying, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I should probably explain that. <laughs> it is. It's it's like terminology. You you read Kissing yeah. Lee's Total Archer, and you're like, yeah. If you don't know, your eyes are going to cross. Absolutely. Well, and so what did I do? I, I was like, I was about to start typing. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna get. I'll make a video. And so, like, there's been a few different times where you've asked me a question, and they're all like excellent questions that. And I think, like, from my point of view, I and see this. It's when I'm working with a 12 year old that's never done it before you can bet I'm explaining that stuff. Right. But when I've got a guy who like, you're a killer, you're a shooter, you're like, you know, you've got experience. I make these assumptions that I shouldn't make. Yep. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I, I need to go back, you know, and sometimes you do have to explain this stuff to guys that you might think already know this, but you don't know they know it or, it, or they could be confused about it. You know, Yeah. So that was a good lesson for me. Um, I, you're not the only person that's doing it, man. So you know one of I mean? my going on this point, one of my least favorite things of when you hear people describe things, it's like, for instance, low bow shoulder. You know how many variations of a low bow, sh bow <laughs> shoulder there is? Okay, right. is it supposed to be low back, low middle? Are you supposed to be low but push it forward into the bow? Like, it, where? I get yeah. that it's supposed to be low. Bow shoulder is a tough one to convey. But yeah. like, where within the yeah. low range? <laughs> but especially, you know, we're doing all this virtually. Yeah, um, and I'm really looking forward to February when I'm going to get some hands on with you. That's going to be a good time. 
<laughs> but he's anyway. gonna he's uh, gonna get to see my <laughs> pluck in person. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, you asking those questions and then me being able to, you know, I use my son as a prop. I even yeah. threw in there or jackets. Proud of my H my HVAC reference that I used. You did use a good HVAC, you, yeah. You know, yeah. Trying to get you to understand rebuilding yep. Scott. <laughs> no, that was that was so, a good one. You know, it's um the biggest thing for anybody out there, whether like you and I ever talk or whoever is like, and I, I tell my kid this all the time, I bet you guys have, or will like, you got to be coachable. That's you got to want it. You got to be good. Like if somebody tells you something, you're like, okay, well, this seems weird. Never done it before, but I mean, at least let me make a good effort and see what happens. You know, Yeah. Not the screw this. I got my, my previous mentality was eh, whatever. I'm going to do my thing. Um, you got to want it. Um, we, we all have a lot of friends that are dealing with the, when we, we don't, we know it's not the, the dreaded panic, term, but it, it, what, what did you call it? Shot anticipation. Yeah, actually, that was a, one of my notes. We got to take, you know, words have meaning. We got to take that right power away from target panic. Target panic is like Voldemort. You don't say it. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> The whole thing with that is I'm like, look, if you are like debilitated, which some people are, right? They are so they're like it's crippling to some guys. It's terrible. I feel terrible for them. Hey, I got it. You know what? We'll call that target panic. You're I got you. You know, because literally you are just completely broken mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that's that's a unicorn, just like some of you know, your top shooters on the podium are unicorns that you should never imitate, right? Like it's, it's your one percenters that are really that bad. Um, from what I've seen, the vast majority of us, me included, whether it's acute, right. It happens like one day at the range or whether it's chronic or it's happening every once in a while, it's just shot anticipation. It's that, it's that linked bracing. It's your body like naturally bracing for going, effect. you know, right. When it's about to go off. Cause I mean, you have this big, powerful thing in your hands and you're about to release it. And even though you trust your bow, there's always that little chance like, well, what if it blows up in my face? Right. Like, and so you have to do all sorts of things to overcome that. Um, and that's, that's really where, you know, the process comes in that we were working on. Chris is being inappropriate. Newman's never going to talk to me again. Um, uh, I have a sure. question. I have a question for you though. Seriously. If you could tell a person struggling, like a guy, the guy that like can't even get it back to snap shoot it, one thing to try or to do or a piece of advice, one thing to some dude that is struggling so hard, what would you tell them? They can't get it back because of mental stuff or physical. I guess mental, mental, not physical. This is this yeah. is the we're talking about the panic. Um. I would really start asking them questions. What are you thinking about? You know, what, what did you think about before you shot? What did you think about as you're drawing? You know, and all those kind of things. Remember the big thing that you and I had talked about is like, okay, what is conscious and what is subconscious? Mm-hmm. So what are the things that happen automatically subconscious that we don't think about? It's like breathing. Right. And then what are the things that are conscious where like, I have to focus on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is, you know, it's, it's preached with the NTS system, you're Tom Clum and Joel and everybody else talking about it all the time. And they talk about it for good reason, because it, it's true. Our brain can focus on one thing consciously at a time. We can monitor something at the same time, 
but we only really have like conscious control over one thing. Subconscious, it's not infinite, right? But it's it's a ton of different things can go on subconsciously. And like with you, what was happening is, you know, you didn't have enough of your shot process because like you had a process. It was obvious, like you had your steps that you went through. Yeah. But do you remember, you said you said there was one thing that I showed you that I told you about at first. Do you remember what it was? Because I've said it a few times since then. How can you make things conscious? You got to give yourself time to think about it. Right, so right, right. Slow down, right? Slow down. Yeah, um, that, that's my big one is slowing down. But I think um, when we say I had a process, I think I had a process up until the point where I drew to anchor. Mm-hmm. And after that, where there was nothing. There was yep, no, and I'm I'm still trying to get to the point where like, so so basically what you and I worked on was going step by step by step by step so basically okay i set my stance and my stance is basically slightly open you know and and i look at the target next is i i set a hook i set my grip and like you always say move on forget about that next i'm I'm looking at the target and i raise my bow without letting my shoulders come up because i was the guy that shrugged For some screwed up reason. So now I raise my bow and when I get my bow up, I begin my draw. And that's, it's, it's kind of funny because all of a sudden, like, especially like where I was telling you about my low elbow, my elbow down, it's like, whoo, right in my back immediately. Yeah. But when I get to that point where I'm at full draw, I get to my anchor and I transfer to hold, which means basically I'm putting my elbow inside the string and aligning the back shoulder with the front shoulder with the arm basically like the what do they call it the archers triangle or the the holding position yeah so you're transferring that tension from that draw arm uh into your back and that's what puts you into the holding position and and i call that camming over camming over so basically and and i want to say this to so other people realize it because I don't know if they they do or not or people who are struggling but like I had no really I had yeah 30% control at full draw but when I get into alignment and I really get into alignment that panic that that not controlling that stuff goes away the holding position is your happy place and so I, I really, and like, cause I dealt, I struggled with that, like that control. I don't want to call it panic. Cause I, I'm not, I don't think I was panicky. No, you weren't. Um, but I didn't have the control I wanted and it was 90, every time I get there, 99% of the time, if I'm not, if I don't, if I can't achieve that control, it's cause I'm not in alignment. You were, you know, and what's super common is, and this happens with any like firearm, bow, mm-hmm. compound, whatever, right. Is like, you got it up, you got to anchor to where you were, you weren't in like a good holding position, but you were holding the weight of the bow. Mm-hmm. And then you were letting your, like what you perceived as your aim and everything, basically signal that little voice that says, good, shoot now. Let it right. go. There's and, a gap of God. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's, it's the equivalent of like punching the trigger and all those other things. And yeah. it can take a lot of forms. Sometimes it's super obvious. Sometimes it's not, but that's really what it is, is that you were, you were letting that little shoot now moment determine when you, when you let go of the string. And the problem with that is when you think shoot now, you also think let go. And that is going to be a sloppy release. Right. Um, 
there's there's a great module in um tom's solid archer mechanics advanced um class that he has out now where he talks about basically like the amount of tension in your forearm and your hook and how basically he explains why you trying to let go of the string is always going to be slower and sloppier it's basically actually like when i coach uh the kids i I do a demonstration where i I get a volunteer up and i kind of like i tell him to blink and he closes and opens his eyes and then without saying anything i act like i'm about to slap him and i get my hand like flying really close to his face and what does he do he blinks and then i say well hey which was faster right and if you are consciously saying blink your eyes are going to move slower than if you just your brain sends that signal to blink your eyes. If I consciously tell my hook to open, it's going to be slower and sloppier than if I get into good alignment and all I'm thinking is pulling, 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 pulling. And whether like if you're using a trigger, the trigger clicks or whatever it might be, you have that automatic signal for those basically, you know, the hook to relax just for a split, split second. It's going to be a cleaner release, but you got to override that shoot now voice. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's what you and I worked on. That's what we talked yeah. about. Talk about control. Yeah. That's uh, that's and that's the point where I'm at right now. Like when I get to full draw and I transfer and I'm holding and I'm starting to pull, is talking myself through that and that aspect of my shot. That's that's the hard one when you're at full draw and slowing yourself down enough to talk yourself through things. That that's a tough thing to overcome. Yep, that's been and my you know, biggest struggle. The biggest, the biggest resistance to that among our our tribe here is um, the guys see an Olympic shooter. And they're like, oh, well, that's not hunting, right? I can't shoot like that. There's no way that would work in the woods. Uh, When I shot that hog, before we went out, the night before, um, Mark was busting my balls because I had coached him a little bit. It had been like we had just kind of nothing formal, but we had talked. And he was like, man, I want to see if you can really do that, all that alignment, nice follow through and everything like you're you're talking about all the time when you got a great big old, you know, boar hog in front of you. And, you know, he he was giving me a hard time about it. And in my head, I'm like, all right, cool. Let's see. Let's see what happens, right? And so it kind of it had a little bit of pucker factor. And then after I killed the pig, actually I went up and I was like, hey, how was my shot? I was like, did I actually do what I said I was going to do? And he's like, yeah, man, you did. And I was like, cool. And so it's one of those things where like, I mean, yeah, if you get up there in a hunting situation, is it going to be a perfect shot? Like when you're standing on a static range and you're up vertical and you know, no, no it's not. But if if I get thousands and thousands and thousands of repetitions of a perfect, perfect shot, and then I'm in a tree or I'm in a swamp and I make a slightly less than perfect shot, guess what? It's still, still going to be a pretty good still shot. Still pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Now, if I get thousands and thousands of mediocre shots and then I get under some serious pressure and I make a crap shot, now if I'm lucky, I miss. And if not, I wound or whatever, you know, so I think that's the biggest resistance to guys that are, and it doesn't have to necessarily be NTS, although I will say that's the most available one. And you've Mm -hmm. got a lot of good coaches out there now that teach the NTS system, but it's super adaptable um, to any kind of style bow shooting, like, you know, a bow is a bow is a bow. Um, In NTS, I shoot my ASL, just like I shoot my bare bow, just like I shoot my compound. Um, none of that changes, even though the grip feels different or, you know, the draw curve and all that stuff might feel different. You still shoot it the exact same because the NTS really, it's more of a mental system than it is a physical system. You know, if you, if you had to kind of pick one. It's, 
It's paying off. I'm digging it. I'm happy with the results so far. No, you've been awesome. Like I said, I, I, I smile when I see those videos uh, here lately. And and I also t- tell them about what a couple of weeks ago, some of the stuff you contacted me about. Was this when he was sending you the shirtless videos? I didn't yeah. send shirtless videos, did I? <laughs> I didn't send you shirtless videos. That'll, that'll be uh, the Broken Arrow After Hours podcast. It's broken Back Arrow. Um, <laughs> no, no, I didn't send it. I, I, I had a... Uh, I had a, uh, uh, I think this is what you're talking about, uh, one day where I, I came to full draw and I had, oh, when I went downhill? Your little trough, you went in. Oof. Um, <laughs> let me really you know, try to avoid this memory. Yeah, so, so basically you told me to go through some holding drills and, and I was pissed because I had a little down, like a, 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 it just went south on me. Um, I don't see the video. I don't remember what day that was from. It, uh, it was like a week or two ago. Yeah, but it, it went south for about like an hour. And I went outside and he's like, you're rushing through things. You look like crap. Slow down. And, and I was, on. what's that? And put your shirt on. I had a shirt on. Um, <laughs> and the other thing was I was, I was opening my hand when I, I was like letting the string go and and so I remember I went back outside. I it stopped and I was like, set your stance, grab your hook, your grip. And I walked myself through each step. And then I pulled through and still had that thing going on. And like the, basically my hook, I didn't let go of the string that time. And I, and I pulled it off and I was like, okay, good. I did it. Now I'm going to do some holding drills. And I, and I did, I think the next day, that's all. I don't think I shot an arrow the next day. I think I just did like 15 or 20 holding drills. Yeah. Um, that's a good one that, I mean, like it's, it's weird. It, what, what's funny is, uh, one of the things that I played like mind games with myself a little bit, but I'm like, I'll get to full draw and I'm like, okay, I'm going to let down and I'll hold, I'll set my gap. I'll do everything I need to do. And I'm like, this feels good. And I'll start to expand and then I'll be like, nope, let down and I'll make myself let down. And then the next one I go to do, and I'll start, I'll set my gap, and I'll be sitting there. I'm just like, okay, going to hold for about, you know, 10 seconds. I'm like, no, you know what? We've been holding for about five, six seconds. Let's expand and go through this one. And I'm making the decision in there, you know, never mind. I'm not going to hold. I'm going to pull through it. And then the next one I do a hold, you know, and it's it's kind of funny because once you get to full draw and you're there for a few seconds, everything slows down and you can take over. Yep. It's that weird like fraction or one second when you first get to full draw that I don't know, it scrambles my brain a little bit and I gotta really fight it to get through it. But well, and like those drills, and that's awesome. Like that's really what you're going for. Mm-hmm. Um it, you know, I I still, you know, hey, every once in a while everybody's gonna have just a shower that just crapped the bed, right? And just send one way off into the woods. But mm-hmm. I've noticed more often than not, when I'm expanding, I can catch myself opening my fingers. And basically, actually, I, I posted a video not too long ago. It was like a time lapse, but you can see me do it where I start to open my fingers and I catch it and I keep from letting go of the string and then I let down. And so if you can have that kind of control, that's really what you're going for, where at any point during the shot, you can say, nope. Right. You you are able to cancel it and, and let down uh, or you're able to be like, oh, yeah, this is it right here. Boom. And finish the shot. Yeah. You know, um, and that's and, and like the whole thing with you, like I said, kind of, you know, backsliding a little bit. I don't know if you remember 
it's like the first within the first few days of us working together, I told you that was going to happen. Right. Cause yeah. you think about it, right. Hey, uh, like uh, a fat guy didn't get fat in six months. So they're not going to lose all that weight in six months either. Right. You right. put in thousands and thousands of reps doing it the way you've always done it. And it's so, burst that bubble for me, Newman. Sorry. No. Hey, just, um, but if you put in, like I said, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of reps doing it the way you've always done it, mm-hmm. you're not going to shoot for a month and all of a sudden be like, oh, I got it. You know, like you're going to get glimpses of it. But then if you don't have that, like you like exactly what you did, you went back and did every step. If you don't yeah. do that every time, you're going to backslide, you're going to revert. And the thing that kind of stinks is and what is challenging is like, so you do it right, right? You do the process, you make really good shots. They feel great bonus the arrow is going where you want it to and so you're like man this is fun this is awesome i'm just gonna keep on shooting and then you start taking shortcuts right and you start skipping yes. like one of those steps and then you and that's what led me to that time that yeah, that's definitely 100 exactly. and and that's completely normal. and it's i mean it can be boring mundane to have to sit there and think stance hook grip set you know, all these little things, yep. all the little conscious steps, it's hard, right? I mean, that's like, go watch the best archers in the world. When they flub a shot, yeah, it's like super mentally but, taxing to to be able to do that every time. But the, be- the beauty part about all this was like, it went south for me for an hour. Yep. And as soon as I talk, I talked to you for a minute and then I got my composure and I was like, I just went back and did my stuff. And that put me right back to where I needed to be. And it wasn't like, oh, I don't remember what I did here. I don't, yep. I don't know how I, I lost my shot. I didn't lose my shot. I was taking shortcuts. You nipped me in the butt and told me to get my head out of my arse. And I went back and I, I did my step by step by step, and my shot was there again. Yep. And well, like you mentioned at the beginning of us talking about this, and because I wrote down, I wrote it down. It's like when you're shooting, you know, you got somebody who's just shooting lights out, and then all of a sudden, it just they're shooting like garbage. Yeah. The question is, what were you doing when you were shooting lights out? And for a lot of people, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to say, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Now, what you were just able to do, if I said, hey, what were you doing when you were shooting lights out? Oh, well, I was slowing down. I set my grip. I set my hook. You know, you mm-hmm. could list off all these things. And it's like, cool, do that again. Yeah. Do it again. And now, guess what? You're back. You know? Yep. And so that's that's where, again, for all those that might be, skeptical about it. Like, Oh, I don't really have a shot process. And it's like, okay, well that's good. And you know what? That can work. Absolutely. There's no doubt. A lot of people have killed a lot of things, shot a lot of X's doing that, but what happens when it doesn't work? You know, if you got nothing to fall back on, you're going to get yourself in some trouble. Um, and so, yeah, you know, ha- having that process there. And, and honestly, like this goes for the stuff that I have learned coaching archery. I, you know, I talk about it with my kid playing baseball. I talk about, you know, like every, kind of endeavor that requires any kind of skill, it's all the same, right? You you have to have like, you have to have control. You have to have a set process. You know, you look at any athlete, all their little superstitious things that they do. Guess what? They're a pro athlete for a reason. They didn't just go out there and just kind of stand like, Oh, let's see what happens. It's It's a routine. Yeah. This doesn't, then this doesn't just come down to athletics. I'm doing, I'm doing something very similar with my banjo. Yeah, the, the the three finger technique and and I mean and it came back down to like I, I was having issues with this you know playing playing and uh, I I watched I don't know how many videos but finally one person said the right words that clicked in my brain 
And now I have to, you have to have a, a certain form just like archery. So, I mean, like I'm using the same thing we're doing with archery at other, and other things like yeah. playing the freaking banjo. You know, it was, it was funny with you because I was hesitantly starting to use like some of the terminology for the, the muscular structures that you're using. Mm-hmm. And even though we're like, most of it was just over, over like text type stuff. I was like, uh, I'm going to start losing them. And then you, you finally like, I don't know what that muscle is. <laughs> so that's one thing. Was it the like rhomboid? Saying, yeah, the, yeah. The rhomboid. And then, you know, the interspinatus and like, there's all sorts of other things, but yeah, that, I'm not I'm hesitant guy. on some of those. Cause like some people eat that stuff up. Like yeah. when Alex was, was coaching me since I was coming from the strength and conditioning coaching world and, you know, he had done all his, um, what is it? Something like cheese, bodybuilding, modeling, whatever he did. I don't know. Alex you know? is his brain's um, quite a bit bigger than mine. So I don't know if it's bigger than mine, but it moves a lot faster than mine. I it do definitely moves sure. faster. He does um, talk fast. What do you say, Schaefer, when he's texting you? Those those three little bubbles, they those go faster. three bouncing <laughs> bubbles. Some her, yeah, they they bounce quicker <laughs> with Alex. <laughs> See, like he would use he would use a lot of that muscular terminology with me, and I'm like, cool, yeah. I got, it. I know exactly what you mean. I know yeah. how those muscles move. But with, you know, I think with you, it was good to kind of just get you aware of that. But no, it's like, I haven't been talking much about that kind of stuff because it's not. No, I would send you a video point to a muscle and be like, hey, this, this hurts. Is this the right muscle? (laughs) Yeah, that's one. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess we should get, get, we should, we should field some questions here before we wrap this up. We got two. Three now. Three? We have three. I only see two. Update it. I don't know what that means. Yeah, pull down. Uh, we have three. Number one. Why do I have to camp my bow more to get broadheads grouping with the field points? Okay, why do we have to camp my bow more to get my broadheads grouping grouping with my field points? So basically, this gentleman's saying, it sounds like maybe he might be shooting straight up and down with his field points, but if he can't, he gets his broadheads to group better. He is correcting for an out of tune. Sounds like it. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, your so your your cant is correcting for something else. Um, yeah, chasing your tail on that um, would be my thought. Um, with I was just telling somebody this the other day. Anything with tuning, um, if you're not shooting a good consistent shot, don't bother. Go get a coach. Like just let your arrows fly crooked downrange until you have a good consistent shot and then worry about the tuning. Um, because if you're, uh, if you're trying to shoot through paper, if you're trying to bear shaft tune or broadhead tune or anything like that, and you've got an inconsistent shot, if you've got any sort of collapse or bracing or anything like that, you are going to be shooting all over the place. Uh, and it's very frustrating. And so if, if he has found now, if he can, and there's a lot of ifs here, if you've got a broadhead that flies perfectly exactly where you want it to when you can't a certain degree, and then you have your field points that fly perfectly and hit where you want it to at a different degree of can't, then, I mean, that's pretty cool. You've got like field point mode and then broadhead mode in your brain. You can switch, but I don't know if many people that will be able to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, like you said, it's probably correcting for something else that's out of tune. Yeah. The only other strange thing I can think of is one of my bows, the arrows ended up sitting inside of center. Mm-hmm. No matter what I did, that arrow would hit six inches to the left with broadhead, but field points would fly absolutely wonderful. And what was the deal? What was it causing? 
was a root cause. Well, like, so like if you eyed down the string in the center of the limbs, mm-hmm. the field point was sitting inside the string. So for bows to tune normally, the point is supposed to be outside the string. You know how I can get almost any bow to shoot like way left as if it's very stiff? Hmm. Yeah. A, pl- a pluck will do that. And if you've got if you've yep. got a broad head on there, it's going to exacerbate that, you know, that flight. So that may have had something to do with it. All right. Uh, it's hard to know on these things. Yeah. Actually, it's a good question. I would, I would uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and, and again, that can be frustrating too. It's like, well, mm-hmm. Hey, how come this is doing this and this is this? Oh but, man. When you're having tuning issues and form issues or something along those, I've been there and it's a mess. I don't know if that's his case, but Oh dear Lord. Yeah. You just got to remember anytime you put a broadhead on there, you're just adding more steering to the arrow and that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. If it's not flying true. It's going to steer it away. You don't it is it. exaggerating any issues you may have. Exactly. There you go. Hopefully, hopefully that helps you. Um, assuming it's supposed to be coaching questions, uh, tips to break bad habits and enforce good ones. Process have, um, well, so, and this is, I'm not super active on Facebook. Um, I do almost nothing on there, although I like maybe lurk on the Black Widow fan page. Um, but I mean, there are millions of people saying, I just started archery. What kind of, what should I do? Right. And it's always the answer is get a coach um, and get somebody And the worst thing you can do is to go on Facebook and say, Hey, take a look at my form. Let me know how I'm doing. Cause yes. it's garbage. All right. Do, do not go. Do not go on a certain archery form and ask and post your. T- you'll just get slaughtered. But and you'll get a bunch Facebook, of bad information. It is. It's. Uh, I have rarely seen any good tips. And any of the good stuff I do see, it's stuff where I'm like, "That's great," but he's never going to understand that because it's a Facebook post. You're not talking right. to him. You're not doing video. You know what I mean? It's overshadowed by the 50 bad ones too. Yes, yeah, sh- exactly. Or, or Schaefer's favorite, the unsolicited coaching advice. Yeah. Correct. Right. You'd be surprised. You you pluck a few times, even though you're hitting what you're looking at, and you still get told to pull through the shot every time on YouTube. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so to you know, get rid of the bad, reinforce the good. A lot of it is, you know, like we talked about rebuilding. Right. Mm-hmm. Start from square one. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to scrap everything you've always done because, like, what I found with you, Chris, there's a lot of good stuff there. Right. I, all it took was us slowing things down, putting a name to a few things and getting you to think about the right things. And that's really it. Like I didn't fix and the steps. The steps are huge. Right. But what I'm saying One is thing. like, I didn't fix your hook. I didn't fix your grip. I didn't, you know, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like, we worked on doing the right steps at the right time. Cause they all build on each other. You mentioned yeah. before, like you said it and forget it. So if my, you know, well, a good way to think about it is, you know, my first thing is stance. If my stance is off, nothing else in my shot is going to be exactly right. I might be able to recover, right? Because if I'm in a tree stand, I'm probably not going to have a great stance. I can recover from it, but it's not going to be perfect, all right? If if my hook isn't set perfectly, then everything else after that is going to suffer. And so the more kind of shortcuts you take. And so if you're trying to build the good habits, start from the basics. Um, I said this. I think I said it before when we were talking, I tell people all the time, like a great example of this is um, Dudley's school of knock. All right. And the way he went about it, he went about setting up that. And yes, it's for a compound, but all the concepts are still the same is it's you focus on one skill, one aspect of the shot 
and you do that for a week. And he, he had us probably shooting, I think it's, you know, neighborhood of like 300 arrows, something like that. But if it's my stance, I'm going to shoot for a week. And the only thing I'm really going to care about is my stance and let everything else happen. Right. And then the next week, all I'm really going to care about in, in our case is like my hook. All right. And so now I'm going to set my stance because I just did that for a week. So now I know how to do it. I'm going to do it every single time. And right. now I'm going to worry about the hook. So you do all these little steps and you just build on them. And yeah. the more you do that, like we talked about, right? I may have had tens or hundreds of thousands of repetitions doing it a not so good way. Now I'm slowly replacing those. The one, like something that I think more people need to realize, and this is like you're talking banjo or archery or you name it, like every repetition counts. Every sure. rep counts. So yeah. you are either like every time you execute something, you are either making yourself better or worse. And and that's how you have to think about it. It is that black or white. Um, your brain, like the, with the neurons and the, the more you do a skill, you actually build up the, the little sheaths that make those neurons more efficient. So that's how we get better at things is because those nerves fire more efficiently, the more we do something. And so if I'm doing that skill incorrectly, that is detrimental to my shot, I'm literally making it easier for me to make it, you know, to do it worse. Um, and so you got to think about every single rep. Um, and it's hard. I would say it's hard with archery. It's extremely hard because even if we shoot a bad shot, like it's still kind of fun, you know, like it's still fun. Kind of fun. Yeah. It's still, it you know, can so still, still kind of be little, good. Right. We still get a little dopamine hit when we send that arrow down range, even if like, you know, I send one down through the fence in the woods and all yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's hard to, remind ourselves of that. But I think, like I said, get rid of the bad and, and replace it with the good, get, get a coach. Um, if you don't want to get a coach, you can't have access to one, even though there's a lot of them, like I'm doing, they can do virtual stuff. Um, you know, get good advice. If, if something yeah. doesn't smell right, then just be like, all right, thank you. But no, thank you. I, um, if, if it, like I, my opinion doesn't really matter here cause I'm still in the learning process, but the two things that have helped me the most are a the process, you know, step to step to step, and and not forgetting that, you know, keeping that every every arrow you do the same thing over and over again. And the other thing would be focus on a little bit at a time. Like, don't get overwhelmed with because when you and I started, you were like, okay, you need to work on this, this, and this, and I'm like, ah, let's just do this and this this week, and you're like, yes. So, so I mean, like I would spend a week just keep my shoulders down. Yep. Um, or yeah, and that's, just, I, just I thought about that because, you know, what, the way I've kind of done this the last couple of years is what I did, what I did with you. Talk to somebody, have them give me some basic info, have them send me a bunch of videos. Mm -hmm. I put those videos together. I basically put a narration to them. And honestly, the, the issue with that is when I send that video back to the person, they're always between a half hour and 45 minutes. I, I send that out to the person I'm coaching and it could be a standalone thing where like they may never say another word to me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, they can get something out of this. But really, if you go back and look at that video, exactly what you just said, it's like, okay, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six different things I need to work on when really there needs to be that follow-up where it's like, okay, here are all the things. Like now we're aware of everything and just leave it at that. Right. But today we're going to work on timing or, you know, whatever it might be and to pick yeah. out one thing. So it was good that you recognize that. And like I said, I may kind of, I may change up how I do things just because I have seen that as kind of an issue where you get that overload. 
um, when you've got somebody pointing out all the things that are wrong. If if we were live, like in person, like we're going to be in February when I can coach you then, um, then it, it will be anytime you shoot. And and honestly, this is this kind of goes for people as they're thinking and focusing and critiquing their own shot mm-hmm. is after you shoot, like don't think about the 10 different things you did wrong. First of all, think of something positive. All right. Because that's always going to be the most important mm-hmm. instead of thinking about how bad that shot sucked. Look, Already in the past. Right. Yep. So, you know, think about something positive. Hey, good job doing this. And that's what like a good coach will tell you that that'll be the first thing. Hey, I really liked that. Hey, good job doing this. Right. You can tell yourself that too. And then say, all right, next time, I need to do a little bit better at this. Here's how I'm going to do that. And then there you go. Now you're set up for the next shot. The reflection. So that, exactly. Like that whole idea of every rep counts. Like you are the only one that controls your thoughts and your thoughts are control what control your actions. Right. So like you can pick if you're going to think positively or think negatively. It's the same reason we don't tell a kid stepping up to the plate. Hey, don't strike out. Cause like they've proven that that kid is now has a higher probability of striking out. Right. Right. Yeah, right. what do you say? Hey, bat on the ball, right? But there's a good positive thing. And, and so that that's where like pick that one thing. All right, I'm gonna work on this. And maybe it's like for a session, maybe it's for a week, maybe it's just for that one shot. But you focus on that one thing and it can make a big difference. And like you said, kind of gets you out of those little struggle areas. Um I was, I mean, the last three or four days, I had a few parts of my shot that were making my arrows go nowhere near where I wanted them to, and I had to reset. Hey, mm-hmm. think about this, right? And so it happens to everybody. Yeah, um, but being able to reset and 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 recognize that and go back to that process is huge. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed is, I don't want to say if you're going slow enough because that's that's a bad way, but if you do make a bad shot, one of the good examples of even though it was bad, you're still in a good place is if you can pinpoint what you had done wrong. To make yep. it a bad shot, that that shows you have a lot of control. I call it self uh, self diagnostics. It's probably yep. coming from the field I work in, but that's always a good example. All right, I made a bad shot, but I know exactly why. It's a good absolutely. Well, I mean, there were like not to throw you under the bus, but I think there were some videos that Chris sent me where he's shooting like six shots in a minute and twenty seconds, minute and fifty less seconds. Less than that. But, less than that. Yeah. No, my good shots were like. Four shots in a minute, 15 minutes, 20 seconds. My bad shots were like 45 seconds. And yeah. that's why I told him, I was like, look, I want to see like no more than two shots a minute. Yeah, I can still get that. That was <laughs> absolutely. Well, that goes back because guess what? It's fun to shoot, right? I want to do yeah. it again. Yeah. You know? Sure. And, and so. Let's send yeah. this one so we can send another. Right. <laughs> right. That was absolutely one of the things I've noticed with myself is I used to like. I used to do a lot of winter leagues and I'd be the first guy done the five arrows. Oh God. Yeah. And now I am 110% the guy everybody's waiting on to shoot those same five arrows. Uh, yeah. That guy, and, you know, everybody's a little different, but I think I would say if you're, if you feel like you're struggling, then Hey, just like, look at your timing. You know, I, yeah. I have found there are times when I'm struggling and I'll realize, Hey man, you're holding way too long. Cause when you start holding too long, you start aiming. You deteriorate too. Aiming, yeah. You know, everything starts yeah. to fall apart. Right? Yeah. So there are times where I've told myself to, to hurry up. Um, Chris, you remember I, we were talking about the timing thing. And I, I said, like, I found somewhere in the neighborhood of about seven seconds from the time that bow comes up to the time it goes off is usually a good like neighborhood. It could be plus minus, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you can get those shot timers on your phone and set a part time 
where it beeps for you to raise the bow. And then or whatever time you said, it's going to beep again. And that will tell you, you know, that gives you some kind of reference point. Um, because you can count to yourself too. That can be distracting though. That can keep you from, you know, thinking of the right things at the right time. But there's, there's ways to do that to kind of check and see, okay, you know, could timing be part of the issues that I'm struggling with right now where I'm going too fast? Or if you're going too slow, that's another one. I'll ask kids all the time. They go up and they draw on the anchor and they aim and they're holding, they're holding. And then finally it'll go off and I'll always be like, Hey, do you feel like you were holding for a really long time? And they always look at me and smile and be like, yeah, that seemed like a really long time. I was like, yeah, it was a really long time. You should shoot a little faster, <laughs> you know? And so it, with, with the too long, usually that's something that we know right away. It's like, well, I was, I was doing that way too long. The, the two quick are ones that I think is a little bit harder to, yeah. like you, you want to get comfortable in that holding position. So that way you can be there for a few seconds and just, just be happy. Yeah. I, I just, download myself a uh, shot timer. Oh, oh, hang on. Okay. Oh, hang on a second. Right back. Newman, do you find there's anything that works better for you subconsciously? Like throughout the process, if you let subconscious take it over? So ideally, um, you want to consciously set your stance. That's one that almost nobody does. You want to consciously set your stance. Obviously, you're going to consciously knock the arrow to some degree. The next one that people skip, you want to consciously set your hook, even though like most of us aren't string walking where we have to set, you know, the little tab. Even if you know it's going like split finger right up underneath the knock, like watch your hand do it. And even if you don't need to see where that hook goes, and you can ask Chris this too, because I saw it in his videos, it keeps you focused on the right thing and not jumping ahead. Yeah. And so then consciously set your grip. Now that one, a lot of people do kind of need to pay attention to, or so you're not getting that like hammer grip, you know, you get the nice kind of 45 ish degree angle. So the grip is conscious, right? And then you consciously go into the set position, clear my head, focus on the target, getting ready to raise the bow. All right. Now the draw, I wouldn't necessarily say I consciously draw. So that one's one of those that I think by the book, it's, I don't even know if they talk about whether the draw is supposed to be conscious or subconscious. That one kind of just happens. And I would say as long as it is a like angular draw, you're not shoulder pulling like straight back, then that's one of those that, okay, if it's subconscious, like uh, once you've developed that angular draw or do it naturally, then you're good. If you haven't, then that needs to be conscious as well. Um, the anchor, if you've got a good anchor point and you don't need to, you're not trying to fiddle with it to figure out where it's best that might be something that's subconscious, right? That you know where that hand is going to be and where it feels right. You don't have to think about, okay, is this right? Do I need to move it up, down, back, all those types of things. Um, the transfer to hold, it's got to be conscious or else you won't do it. And I, I know that, Chris knows that. Like the, getting into that holding position, you have to consciously do that. Now, the aim is one of those that I will say if you are, quote, unquote, an instinctive aimer, then there may be zero conscious portion of, of the aim. Even if you are like a gap shooter, that aim part, the conscious part should be like a little blip. You set it and forget it. Like that's it. Okay. Point the arrow about where it needs to go. And then you're just looking at the target. Your subconscious takes over on the aim. That's a big one because that's one that will either cause or prevent that opening of the fingers. All right. And that conscious release, because if you're trying to 
hold that arrow point or whatever right where it needs to be. First of all, at least for me personally, I'm going to miss. I'm not going to be able to do that because you brace, you anticipate a shot. So that aim should really be at a subconscious level. Um, And then you should be consciously thinking about finishing the shot, pulling through the shot. So there are subconscious parts. I would say be careful about like trying to pick and choose because when we think subconscious, it's, it's basically like shortcut, right? It's our brain trying to do things automatically. The aim, that's great for that. And the release, that's great for that. We want the brain to do that automatically because if I do it consciously, it can make everything else fall apart. Is that yeah. kind of what you were, what well, you were asking about? Yeah. I mean, the main reason I ask is like, so I find my hook. I have to do my hook subconsciously. And it's not, I mean, I could consciously put my fingers on the string how I'm supposed to, but more like pressure. If I think about where the pressure is supposed to go, oh, I have no idea. I just know when I don't think about it, it's right. And when I do think about it, things get real weird. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. And, and, you know, that's where um, you're probably not thinking about the pressure when you're at, you know, when the bow is all the way let down. You're thinking about the pressure probably when you're at full draw. Correct, yeah. And now here's the thing, though. When do we set the hook? We set the hook after we set our stance, stance. you know, before we set set our grip. And we set it and forget it. So just like you said, if I'm up here and I'm thinking about finger pressure, unless I'm just like messing with some tuning stuff, like that's one thing, right? But we're just talking to normal shooting. Um, Yeah, if you're thinking about that, you're thinking about the wrong thing at the wrong time. Oh, for sure. You know, that exactly what you said, because then, okay, if I'm thinking about finger pressure when I'm supposed to be thinking about increasing my back tension, well, then that means I'm not thinking about increasing back tension because I can only consciously think about one thing at a time. And so something else in that shot is going to fall apart. Yeah. Um, but like we said, like if I'm tuning, if I'm wondering, hey, if I put a little more pressure on my index finger, how will that affect arrow flight? Then, yeah, you know, like see how it does. Is it going to be your most well-executed shot? Probably not, but that's not a huge deal, right? The Good only stuff. other, yeah, the only other thing I can think of this may or may not help people. You said the drawing part subconscious. So when I start getting, yeah, when I start getting tired, the the easiest way I can think about it is one of the things I have to start doing mentally or consciously is I find that I start thinking about drawing with my hand, if that makes sense, when I get tired. So like all the effort is in my hand. And when I start getting tired, I guess it's called land two. I start thinking about drawing with like my tricep. Mm-hmm. And just changing the mental focus from my hand to that area, it's amazing how that just cleans everything up. So just changing that land or landmark. Do you normally think about your hand when you're drawing, or are you just saying that's a way like when your hand starts to get tired? So, you have so to when I find myself getting out. tired and maybe start shooting a little less ideal than I would like, that's usually the first thing I focus on Okay, is start drawing back here. And that yeah. seems to clean things up. I think it's one of those things I can normally do subconsciously, but it's the first thing to go when I get tired. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. So, yeah, I know um, with mine, it tends for me, it tends to be the hook. Cause I have like average size hands, but pretty long fingers for my hands. So if I like, I can hook the string and have a great big long hook, but I don't shoot the best that way. I need to have it, you know, tighter in, yeah. um, and, and same thing when I get tired or I lose focus, guess what I notice is my hand stretches out. And then when my hand stretches out, my wrist, basically my wrist breaks. Does like funkiness. This, yeah. Staying, staying high. 
And now I get lots of lefts and rights on my impacts. And it, so it's the same kind of thing. It's like, okay, start over high risk, you know, um, and all those things are just, it's our brain taking shortcuts, right? It's just, yeah. Yeah, let me just get this little, this little part right here. It'll be fine. Right. And it's not, it's, um, well, I think I heard Tom talking about it the other day. It's like every sport out there, you are working to make things automatic, right? You are working to make that, you know, as soon as the left wing sends the puck over to me, I'm going to tip it into the goal, right? I'm not going to have to think about, oh, I need my stick at this angle, right? Every sport we do, or like in wrestling, somebody goes to do a move, you automatically know the counter move to it, except archery, right? Archery, we're not working to make things automatic. If we let things go automatic, things all fall apart. So we're working to keep things in that like slow step-by-step controlled, um, you know, area or else it just, it doesn't work. Yeah, totally. So if we could uh, recap, have a process, go slow, stick to that process. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's supposed to be hard. Yeah. And it's supposed to be hard. It's not going to be easy. You know, embrace the suck. Yep. When you get tired, when you get frustrated, um, again, they've done studies on this too, like the power that a smile can have. If you force yourself to smile, um, a lot of athletes, you can actually see this in a lot of sports, they'll yawn. Um, the yawn, the forced yawn can actually reduce like the amount of stress and tension that, that you're under mentally. Um, and so just like taking a step back and, uh, uh, resetting, right. And then getting back into that process, uh, not getting frustrated. Like, like you said, like, you're not going to, I'm not going to shoot my way out of it. Right. Right. I got to go back and figure out what's going on and try and fix it. And that goes, that goes to everything, right. It's not just archery. Um, but you know, that's, that's what this whole thing is, is helped me. It makes sense. Um, like I said before, for all those out there that may have been resistant to any kind of coaching, like I said, NTS tends to be the, the most accessible system for us. Um, you know, if you do solid archery mechanics, uh, you watch any of the stuff from the push or any of those guys, you know, that's, it's all surrounded around there, but you know, it's not just for Olympic archers. It's not just for barebow shooters. Um, it, it makes, you know, if you don't want to have shoulder surgery, you know, after shooting for 50 or 60 years, then think about having, you know, a little bit more controlled shot where you really are getting into your back and not just shoulder pulling. Like a lot of people are. You know, there's a lot of little stuff that goes along with it that uh, I think it can be beneficial to everybody. And even if you just kind of pick and choose the little parts that you get out of it, you know, um, <laughs> like Schaefer, then uh, but it's, it's better than nothing. Right. Um, you know, it's it's like somebody says, well, hey, what what exercises can I do? You know, my shoulders hurting from shooting. What exercises can I do to make it stronger? It's like, well, we're, we're kind of past that point now. You know, if you've been shoulder pulling for the last 30 years, then it's hard to come back from that. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I don't want to be that guy. I want to be, you know, I want to be that 85 year old that's out shooting my bow um, and shooting it, shooting it well and shooting it accurately. That's the plan. So go get a coach. If you, if you're feeling like you're having a hard time, it's paid off for me for sure. Uh, Getting started. Yeah, we're in, we're just getting started. I think I think we got to wrap it up here. I gotta I gotta go. I gotta put my son to bed. But um, dude, thank you for everything you're doing for me. I appreciate it a ton, and thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate your time. 
Absolutely. A and whole bunch. Say, I'll also say this because I'm, I'm sure some guys are probably going to message me after this. Um, I have gotten so much from so many of the guys in this community, like Tom, Joel, um, Aaron Snyder texted me the other day. He was like, Hey, how's it going? I was like, oh, I'm good. How are you? You know, but it's just like, there's so many good people in this community. Um, all this coaching stuff, it, it's all pro bono. I don't, I don't charge a dime for it. Um, and people have offered to pay me and all those other things. That's, that's not why I do it. Uh, the quickest way to ruin something you love is turn it into a job. So um, if people do want to contact me or want me to point them in the right direction, even if they don't want to do any coaching stuff, I'm happy to do it. Um, like I said, I, I work at a summer camp and do shooting clinics and stuff like that. And I do it all volunteer um, because I, I don't know. I love this stuff. Like I said, I, I get just as much, if not more out of it as all the people that I'm working with. So that's awesome. Beautiful. Absolutely Very cool. Beautiful. Well, Newman, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We'll have to do this again soon. Very Sounds soon. Good. Yeah, we'll do a, little, do a little check-in here in a few months. Maybe We'll just do a Thank live you. one in February. Perfect. Bring your uh, podcast stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and end podcast. And I got to go. I've had it with you, too. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, man. See you later. See you. Real quick before we go, just want to take a moment and thank our partner, Black Widow Bows, along with Addictive Archery, Safari Tough, Great Northern Quivers, and Laurel Mountain Outfitters. Also, if you have a moment, please take the time to leave us a review. It really helps us out. On top of that, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and best of luck out there. (laughs) 